The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Today, I'm going to share with you a story from years ago that came to mind this week when I was reading the Word. Actually, it was last week that it came to mind. But in my 20s, I came back from university and I volunteered at a little country church. I went to a university in a larger city and I came home to this little country. Imagine not having to pay for parking. How would you like that? There was always 20 extra seats or spots in the parking lot and, and in the congregation too. More than enough room, green hills, probably three houses within a mile of the church. So it was very country. Um, and the people there were lovely. But one woman in particular found great delight in working with the two and three-year-olds. She just did. Nobody else did, but she loved it, you know. And she would have this little closet, literally a closet, probably about half the size of our small hall. And she would have five or six, two or three-year-olds in there. And she guided them with, like, the grace of God. She just had this beautiful way with them. And I volunteered to help her one day. And I got a bit of wisdom there that has never left me. Because this woman, in her prayerful, godly life out in the country, ministering to children week after week, had developed ways of communicating deep truths in very simple ways. And my first time in there, I would hear her say to the boys and girls, Oh, Remember, you want an obedience cookie, don't you? <laughs> obedience cookie, what's going on here? Okay, but, but it, the kid would, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it would pull him right back in. And then at the end of the lesson, all the kids would sit around this table in this small room, and they'd get a napkin out, and she'd come by, and she'd say, this is your grace cookie, because God loves you. You didn't have to do anything to earn this one. She'd go by each kid, and they'd each get a grace cookie, and they'd enjoy that cookie. And then dear Sandy Carmen would say, now some of you earned the obedience cookie today. <laughs> and you know, that simple truth is quite powerful. That there are blessings from our Heavenly Father that come upon us day after day that we do nothing for. Even life itself. Salvation. They're free gifts to us. And there are other blessings that we have to obey for. Now, I know that doesn't sit with everybody's theology, but I want to show you, even in the Word this week, I came across a, a verse that actually underscores this truth. And it's in other places as well. But I hope by the end of this um, sermon, I've challenged the idea of who God is. That God isn't merely some bookkeeper up in heaven trying to catch you in your latest sin or your lowest moment. He's not just tabulating. There is a day we'll have to give an account. But he is doing everything possible to help you. He has blessings and gifts for, for us and for our body to pour out to others. He is looking to bless. He's a God of blessing. And that's what he prefers to do. In Ephesians chapter 2, okay, 
This is our first biscuit. Okay, this is your grace biscuit here. All right, keep this up. Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaks about this gift in really clear terms. This is kind of like your quintessential verse on salvation and on not earning it. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. Now, Pastor Mark spoke about greater, uh, the great uh, manifold expressions of salvation. There's, there's much to salvation. In, in the simplest terms, salvation, we know, is getting to heaven, being forgiven of our sins. And this free gift is given to us. It's a gift. It says clearly it's a gift. And yet for generations, people tried to earn that gift and worked and struggled and never could make it. God was proving through the laws of the Old Testament that everything within our efforts are beyond us to reach salvation. It's beyond us to reach heaven. There's nothing we can do to get there. And that subtle lie of earning it gets into us all the time. And we, we try to get there. We, we think, oh, and, and judgments flow in our hearts sometimes to others and things get in the way because we can't live up to it. But Jesus, in many ways, said that those who give up on trying and say, I can't earn your gift. That gift is beyond my reach. There's nothing I could ever do to earn it. Jesus, you died for me You gave me a free gift to get to heaven. It's outside my reach, but you've made it so that I can get to it. In my own effort, I can't reach it. And we own the fact that there are gifts that come from heaven that are outside our reach. They're not in our hands because of our own power or strength, our own goodness or merit. It is grace, which the definition of grace and one aspect of it is unmerited favor. It's not earned. It's not earned in any way. It's a gift. So that blessing cookie, that grace cookie that was a blessing from Sandy, was speaking of things that God gives us every day, the gift of salvation that we do not earn. It's really outside our reach. When you own that, there's a freedom in your heart. There's something greater takes hold of you, and you can receive the gift. It's outside our reach. When many of us, well, when I was born again, I was flushed with the forgiveness of heaven. I rose to new life. And over the years, I've had things just without anything I did, just glorious things happen in my life and freedoms. Sometimes they happen instantly at salvation. I know many stories of people who had addictions and powerful things coming against them that they were free from simply because they were near God. And they accepted his gift of salvation. Free gifts. We get them all the time. Just one side note here. These aren't my notes. Just recently, 
John Lennox from Oxford University, has, and you can find it online. He's talking to some Christian doctors. Some of the recent research just into the development of a cell, the hardware of a cell and the software of a cell is so mind-boggling that it just made me praise God that life is a miracle. I realized that I live under this cloud of, of just a cloud. But the fact that we are alive, the interaction in, in ourselves every second, there's like 300 trillion software activities happening inside every cell in our body. It's phenomenal what research has found. That the human cell, actually one bacteria cell, has a thousand components to it, hardware, that are constantly interacting to make life happen, completely unlike any cell that is not alive. Ah. Back to that. Life is a free gift too. If you haven't heard of John Lennox, he's worth good listen. He's a, he's a good Irishman, lots of jolly in his heart, and he's from, um, he's from Oxford, but he's an Irishman. Just really, he's fun to even listen to because he's got joy. Look him up online. Here we go. Um, but I want to move to the second biscuit because this is the one that sometimes we have difficulty with is that can a blessing be earned? Can obedience lead us to greater things? Because God in his word says, as, as a people in a church, we're supposed to go from glory to glory. That he has gifts for us that are supposed to make the body complete and whole. That we're supposed to share these gifts amongst one another and be whole. I came across this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And the story here is that Saul was given a command. He was the king of Israel at that time. And there was a great war raging against the people of God. And, and what he said, or what he did was, he was waiting and waiting for the prophet Samuel to come to offer up the sacrifice. And they're waiting and waiting, and the prophet didn't show up. And so the army that is there to defend Israel is beginning to disperse. People are losing heart. He's like, I can't do this. Day after day, oh no, I can't do this. This is not good. He's not coming. Where's the prophet? And then, a day later, however late, the prophet comes into the scene. And Samuel has, or Saul has offered up the sacrifice. He's violated the rule, the law, the command given by God. And this is what... Um, Samuel says to the king, what have you done? He's speaking to a king. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer a burnt offering. The prophet isn't very compassionate here. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord, your God, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had. Can you say that with me? If you had. He, God, would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. So God intended to bless this man 
that his kingdom, his family line, would endure for all time. It'd go through Jonathan and on and on and on, and his, his kingdom would be established. But because he failed to do this, he couldn't wait for a little while. He lost that blessing. As I read this, I thought, God, how many blessings have I lost? I'm disobedient. Sometimes I don't want to hear. Sometimes I just want to be about my own business. I don't take time to quiet myself. Lord, how many blessings have I walked past? Are there gifts of healing? Gifts of love that I could give away? Gifts of knowledge and words of knowledge and prophetic gifting? What things have I passed by because of my disobedience that you wanted to give because you love people? Now, you could stay there and get really miserable and do you no good, okay? That is not the road to progress, okay? The road to progress is humility. And Paul, in his writing, says, let's forget what's behind and let's press on towards what's ahead. So how do I get my heart into a position where I'm willing to obey? So much so that I can begin to walk in blessings. Because even if you've missed a thousand blessings in your lifetime, if you picked up two or three in the rest of your life, it could make a world of difference to the church, to your friends, your family, and to your own life. Even just three gifts. What if you are destined to receive a gift of, a gift of healing? That you operate in, in wonderful things. Like, you could. You are able, by the grace of God, to receive a gift of healing. Not because of you, but because you've walked with him. And this is my thought. The only way we'll be ready when these blessings come by are to be close to God. Because we'll trust Him. We'll believe Him. And even if we have to wait or things don't go the way we expected when we trust Him, we stay in that position because we're close to Him. We know Him. I could go on with tons of stories about this in, in the Bible and also in, in stories of evangelists and missionaries around the world. Jonathan even recently gave me a book that I've begun called Praying Hide, a man who went to India, and he was known. His name actually became Praying Hide because he prayed so much. His name technically was John Hyde. Um, he came from England. That's part of your heritage. That is part of you. He came from this land, and he went to another country, and his heart was so full for people that when he wanted to retire, because he was just overwhelmed at one point, the town people wrote to the mission society, don't let him go. Imagine that. Don't let him go. We need you. Well, in one of his times of just continuing to seek God, even though there are hard times, he says in his book that he entered into a new authority in prayer. That he, he knew something tangible had happened in his ability to pray. That the word of God that he'd been reading of, of Jesus saying, you speak to the mountains. And he felt like he actually walked into it. Not just a theology or an idea or something we say, but he passed a line and walked into some new gifting. There are new things for us as people. If we'll stay in a position like John Hyde, where we're close to the Father, where we're seeking his heart, where we're loving people around us as best we can, as we're worshiping him, we can begin to receive good gifts there, there's a gentleman I know in Florida, and this is kind of an interesting story. 
He was reading his, one, his Bible one day. He was a chain smoker in his own, smoked all the time. Had no, no conviction after he came a Christian to stop, and I'm not saying he needed to. But he was reading the Bible that day, just Genesis, and it says man should have dominion over all creation, over the birds of the sea, over the plants and everything. And in his heart, God spoke, that plant has dominion over you. I can't do anything without cigarettes, he thought. I need it all the time. I'm supposed to be in dominion over that, not it having dominion over me. And he said, God, I give you these things. That day, he walked away from smoking and never had an urge again. He was given a gift to walk away from it. That is a blessing from the Father. He was near the Father. He was seeking him. And a blessing came upon his life that some people struggle with years to do. I mean, it's not an easy thing to give up when you're a chain smoker. He did say one day he saw another pack that he'd hidden in a drawer. And said, oh, I could have one of those. But he didn't have to, and he didn't. And he was free from that. Blessings are out there for us. The life we're living now does not have to be the life we have tomorrow. The person sitting next to you may be the next Billy Graham, might be the next Praying Hyde, might be the next Gladys Albert within this body because it's based on his gifts and his mercy. The first verse I read to you today from Ephesians chapter 2, sometimes we're like, well, salvation is a gift to me. And, and that struggle of, I don't have to do anything, I just have to accept the gift. That struggle. Why? Why would God do this? Why would God send his son? The very first line tells us. Because of his great love for us. Because of his great love for us. Why is he giving these gifts? Not because of us. Because of his great love for us. This is the reasoning. This is the purpose. And instead of looking upon ourselves trying to earn things, we look to the Father because of your great love. Because of your great love. Not because of anything I've done. I can get to heaven. I can have my sins forgiven. And when we stay close to him and we remember his heart, who his character is, that he's a giving God, he's looking to bless, we'll be in a position to pick up new gifts. Things that will continue the blessing because he wants to use us. I'll just tell you a personal story. Um, when Claire and I had gotten married, I had a house in Kissimmee. Some of the people from this church actually stayed in that house on a, on a retreat or a conference there. You may remember that house. Um, I actually took off that weekend and was on vacation, so I had a whole bunch of English people in my house, and I wasn't even there. Um, they took very good care of it, thank you. Um, and uh, we... Um, Focal Point, the church I was part of, was moving around a bit. Things were changing. God had really blessed us in many ways. Um, and we wanted to be closer to the new church. And we felt that that was really the best for us. Um, however, it was just the housing market. My house had been on sale for sale for, I think, six months. And the only offer we got was like, uh, like 
60% of the value of the house. Like it just devastated. It was, oh, it was, would have wrecked my bank. But we wanted to rent a house closer to the to church. And we prayed, God, please let this work out. And through a number of really cool events, I finally called the guy one day and I said, we can't pay your um, rent amount. Would you take this? And he said, let me think about it. And so the next day in prayer, he calls. And all this stuff happened. It was cool. But I'm thinking, God, only you can do this because I can't pay a mortgage and rent on a house. It's just not going to work out. But we trusted God, and we really felt it was under his leading. It wasn't just guessing. We really felt this was God. And do you know what happened? Within just a few days, a couple from Canada drove through our neighborhood, looked at the house unseen, and made an offer, $30,000 more than anybody else had made an offer for and then, before we could respond and ask them for more, they visited the house and offered more upon their original offer before they got our request for more. Literally. And the realtor I was working with was a single mom who was trying to make ends meet. She was in a very tough time, had two young girls raising on her own. And... He was in the church, and um, the people said, oh, it's a cash offer. We don't have to deal with banks. My house sold within seven days. I was in the, the law office. The house was sold. Everything was taken care of, clear and dry, seven days. I know that's really phenomenal for those of you in England, okay? I, I, let me just say it again. I didn't say seven years, okay? I said, seven days. And I'm walking out of the office with, with this sweet lady. And she says under her breath, I can pay the bills. And I said to her, uh, have you ever seen a deal go down that fast? She said, never. Never in my life. Never. And so our obedience to God's voice not only blessed us, got us closer to the church so we could be more engaged, but bless those around us too. Had we not taken that leap of faith, who knows what would have happened. And what has happened though is there's a gift in our heart. Something was planted in Claire and I's heart. Maybe Claire already had it, but I got it more that I could trust God. That his plans are good. When he speaks, I can trust him even if it makes me worry a bit. I can give that to him and now my heart doesn't worry so much. It's really what laid the groundwork for us to come to England. God spoke so clearly to us that we couldn't, couldn't shake it. I mean, it was, and he provided for us in amazing ways. Jonathan can testify to, he still says, it was amazing that you got to live in the manse. That's the only way without a visa you could have found any housing in England. And it just opened up. Oh, long story, but God has provided. And there are gifts imparted to us when we walk out. I want to say something in this. Obedience is a word at times in my life I have hated. Okay? I struggle with it. I do. Because in my Western thinking, what I bring to that word is obedience is all about me. And you know what happens? I forget about because of his great love. Okay, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. The pressure's on. Oh, I gotta do this. I gotta read five chapters. I gotta do this. I gotta pray. And I forget because of his great love. And I get into this obedience mindset. I find in the scriptures 
when somebody's called to obedience, God is right there beside them to help them along. He doesn't give us a task and then say, okay, go do it. No, 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 no. When God gives us a task, he is with us through the whole process. He wants to help us through. He gives us words. He settles our heart. He'll walk us through if we'll stay with him. The one thing we can't say to God is no. That's not a safe place to be. There's places in the scriptures where, like the prophet Samuel, who we talked about earlier, God says to him, go anoint king, uh, David as king. And like if you read the story, it's like, well, Saul's king. If I anoint David, he's going to come and kill me. Samuel, there's the same Samuel who grew up in the tent of the Lord, the house of the Lord, and would hear his voice. He grew up in the house, in the presence of God, and learned his voice at an early age. He knew his God well enough to say, how can this be? He never said no. And God is not offended by our, how can this be? God, this could be terrible. This could be disastrous to me. This could bring financial ruin. This could, be, this could shake up my family. This could really do harm. How can this be? And he was there to walk Samuel through and give him step-by-step directions. Other places, David is told to go attack the Philistines. And God says, okay, wait. Wait till there's marching over the poplar trees over there and then attack from that dangle. Gives him exact, clear instruction. So it's in staying in communion with our Father in knowing because of his great love, he wants to bless. If we hold on to the idea that God is merely a bookkeeper and a taskmaster trying to catch us at our lowest points, then we'll never obey. We'll do it out of fear and we'll do it in wrong ways that actually do harm. We have to know God. Eternal life is knowing God. We have to have that flowing in our hearts. I want to tell one other story that's not in my notes. Um, what time we at? Okay. I was called by God to leave teaching. After 14 years of teaching, God said, you'll be teaching two more years. And I tell you, it was as clear as a bell. It was, I knew it. It was in a time of worship before the Lord. And I was like, this is it. And I, in worship, had already given my heart to him. God, have my life. God, what a joy it would be to join you in your purposes. I could leave just normalness behind, and I could join you in your purposes. How many people get called up to that? I was just really stirred as I heard about the East African revival and about two men who gave their hearts to God and the revival that broke forth in in Uganda and and Kenya and all that area of East Africa. Some say the greatest revival that's hit the the world in, in, in decades, but... I was giving my heart to him, and he said, you'll be teaching two more years. And in the middle of it, I'll make the story short, I came to a crisis of belief. I knew clearly. I'd, I'd had counsel from Mark. Uh, Daniel, who was here last week, he walked it through with me. I even spoke to, you know, I, I had walked it out, and it was clear in my heart that that's what I was supposed to do. But in the interim, as I came close to the end of those two years, I had a crisis of belief. God, What's going to happen to my life? I'm going to be out on the streets. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to be begging. And my daughter will have to go live with her mother. 
and I'll look like a fool. She'll just be deserted by her dad who will be a bum on the streets. If, and I was really praying. I mean, I, I'm being honest. I mean, I was like, this could be utter destruction. How could you call me to this? God, please. And so I just crying and crying. Like, God, God, what is going to happen? I never said no. He graced me with no no. That's a tongue. Okay. And what he spoke to my heart was, the greatest gift you could give your daughter was to show her a man that follows after me. Whew. He knew my heart. He spoke the exact word. And that's like an anchor in my being. The greatest gift I could give people is to show them someone who follows after God. Ups and downs, good days and bad days, screaming kids and pleasant children. You've seen them both is to show and live out following after him. And that's a gift that he gave me. I know his word. I know he was concerned about my daughter. It wasn't just me. You know what I mean? That's the heart of God. When he speaks, he reveals parts of his character that you carry with you. He knew my heart. I couldn't even express it into words, but he knew my heart. And God completely met that need, I'll tell you, in a very unusual way. I won't get into it today. Um... But he gave me a wonderful road to walk down. Now, I'm just going to end here because this is two biscuits and a thorn, okay? The first biscuit is the blessing God gives us just freely. The second blessings are the ones we can earn through obedience. We can gain by following after him, being close to him, and being obedient. And even if you pick up just a few of those gifts, you'll change the world. So we don't worry about what we've missed, but we say, he's got things in the future. The thorn seems unpleasant, okay? It's not like a biscuit. A thorn is not a biscuit, is it? How could you put a thorn up with blessings? Well, let me just end on this because there's a balance to this. It's beautiful in the scriptures. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, here's Paul, the great Paul, who's standing up for faith, he's standing up for the free gift of God, he's standing up for salvation, he's going in and he's, he's strong. Here's a, oh, you, read the, you read his letters and he is just a man on a mission. You read Acts and he is totally sold out on bringing the gospel to the world. It's like he would trample over anything to get the message out. And he says, I've been given visions of the third heaven. I've seen things that some of you have never seen. I've had revelations in me that you don't know about. I've, I've picked up gifts maybe. He didn't say it in there, but I mean, he had gifts given to him. And then he comes to this. He says in verse 6 in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. That's your memory verse for the week, okay? I, you read that just out of context, and it's really quite funny. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. I love that. Oh, okay, we won't stay there. <laughs> but I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted but what I do by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassing great revelations... Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, 
Catch that. In order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults and hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Note that God, that Paul had this thorn that was for his good, something that was difficult, an unpleasant tree in his life to keep him from being conceited. Even this was a blessing to keep him on the road to fulfilling his destiny, that he wouldn't become conceited and filled with pride. And Paul, knowing this tangible thorn in his flesh, cries out to God three times, please take it away, please take it away. If you have a difficulty in your life, you can pray to God, God, please take this away. God, please remove this. But God speaks to him clearly. He's not guessing here. This is a word from God to a man of God who's an apostle. I'm giving this to you for your good. Okay? There are some things in our life, difficult colleagues, difficult neighbors, things in our life that can be turned around for the good to keep us on track. And we have to be aware that not all blessings seem pleasant now. But I'll tell you, when Paul got to heaven he could even more rejoice that he was kept on track because the Lord allowed something difficult in his life to keep him there. God has blessings for us. Some are free, like the first biscuit. Some we have to gather up through obedience and staying close to God. And then others we might not like at the time. But let me just say, just because you have a difficulty doesn't mean it's from God. Cry out to him. Ask him. Some things can go. God can just clear the sea and get it out of your way. But some things may be there to help us grow in love and mercy and, and a desire to pray for other people so that we can pick up gifts too. Amen? Father God, I thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. Because of your great love, you desire to give us blessings and gifts. And God, please take us into greater things. Please take us in from glory to glory. God, we say you can mold us and make us into new beings, newer and newer. God, and we ask for your kingdom and the reality of your power to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.